Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about orbital fractures, so let's get started. And we'll start with a review of orbital anatomy. The orbit can be thought of as a hollow bony pyramid with a roof superiorly, a floor inferiorly, and a medial and lateral wall. The base of the pyramid is located anteriorly and consists of the orbital rim, while the apex of the pyramid is situated posteriorly, approximately 44 to 50 millimeters posterior to the rim. The seven bones that make up the orbit include the sphenoid, frontal, zygomatic, ethmoid, lacrimal, maxillary, and palatine bones. Near the apex of the pyramid are two passages formed by the sphenoid bone that transmit important neurovascular structures into the orbit. The first is the optic canal, through which the optic nerve and ophthalmic artery pass. The second is the superior orbital fissure, cranial nerves 3, 4, 6, and the ophthalmic division of 5, as well as the superior and inferior divisions of the ophthalmic vein, pass through the superior orbital fissure. Fractures of the orbit can occur with a variety of facial fracture patterns, but our discussion today will focus on isolated fractures of the orbit. In adults, this most commonly takes the form of an orbital floor fracture, while in children under 7, fractures of the orbital roof are actually the most common. The term blowout fracture is commonly used to describe isolated fractures of the walls without involvement of the orbital rim. In contrast, fractures of the rim rarely occur in isolation, and typically occur as parts of larger fracture patterns, such as zygomatico-maxillary complex fractures or Lefort fractures. An alternative fracture mechanism to be aware of is the trapdoor fracture. These most commonly occur in younger patients and are essentially green stick fractures of the orbit. When the fracture occurs, the bone and orbital contents are displaced, but the elastic recoil of the bone quickly snaps the displaced fragment back into its original position, and in doing so can entrap the herniated orbital contents. We'll talk next about evaluation and management of the orbital fracture patient. First and foremost, a facial trauma patient is still a trauma patient, so the first step in evaluation is always ATLS protocol. This should include assessment for cervical spine injury, which has an incidence of up to 10% with maxillofacial fractures. All facial trauma patients should also receive a comprehensive facial trauma exam. On exam, indicators of orbital trauma may include periorbital edema and ecchymosis, as well as subconjunctival hemorrhage. Bony step-offs may also be palpable with some rim fractures. Blowout fractures of the orbit tend to also increase the volume of the orbit, allowing for possible displacement of the globe. Posterior displacement of the globe is referred to as enophthalmos, and inferior displacement of the globe is referred to as hypoglobus. You should assess for both in orbital trauma patients. Your exam should also include an assessment of visual acuity, as well as pupillary size, symmetry, and light response. Any concerns regarding vision or ocular injury should prompt a consultation to ophthalmology. Another critical component of the physical exam is assessment of globe motility and extraocular muscle function. Specifically, you should be looking for signs of extraocular muscle entrapment. These can include gaze restriction, diplopia, and persistent oculocardiac reflex. The oculocardiac reflex refers to bradycardia that occurs in response to direct pressure on the globe or traction on the extraocular muscles. This is often accompanied by symptoms of nausea and vomiting. If the patient is unable to participate in the assessment of extraocular muscle function, forced duction testing may be required. Radiographically, a thin-cut CT with bone and soft tissue windows is the study of choice for evaluating orbital fractures. A combination of both the clinical and radiographic findings can help guide treatment decisions. Many orbital fractures can be managed with observation, 
although there are generally some accepted indications for surgical repair. Immediate surgical repair, within 24 to 48 hours, is generally indicated for enophthalmos greater than 2 millimeters, large floor or combined floor medial wall defects greater than 2 square centimeters, and entrapment. Patients without urgent indications for surgery should be evaluated again within two weeks to assess for non-resolving symptoms that may indicate delayed surgical repair. These include persistent diplopia with central gaze and significant globe malposition that becomes evident after the initial edema has resolved. Detailed description of surgical repair is beyond the scope of the podcast, but for wall fractures generally involves reduction of any displaced orbital contents and the use of either autogenous or alloplastic implants to reconstruct the orbital wall. Surgical repair of rim fractures generally involves open reduction and internal fixation. We'll talk lastly about complications. Retrobulbar hematoma is one of the more serious complications you can encounter, and this can occur secondary to either the initial trauma or the surgical repair. This presents with pain, proptosis, and visual loss, and should be decompressed emergently by performing lateral canthotomy and cantholysis. Another emergent complication of orbital trauma occurs when a fracture line extends into the superior orbital fissure, causing associated cranial nerve deficits. This is referred to as superior orbital fissure syndrome. When associated with blindness, this indicates concurrent injury to the optic canal and is referred to as orbital apex syndrome. Both require surgical exploration. Additional complications of either the injury or surgery include infraorbital nerve dysfunction and lid malposition secondary to the access incision. And that brings us to the end of our discussion on orbital fractures. As usual, you can send any questions, feedback, or suggestions to jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.